Good morning. Happy New Year. And it appears that winter has arrived with the new year. Today, I plan on speaking on the topic of hope. And the reason I brought the hymnal up here, John, is because we just sang the song um, Solid Rock. And the, the words of that hymn really is basically my sermon in a nutshell, really. I mean, it starts off, my hope is built on nothing less than the blood of Jesus and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. So if you hear nothing else, you can just reread this hymn and get my, my sermon kind of in a nutshell. Good job picking that one out, Darla. I will be kind of jumping around through scripture as I as I go. And oftentimes I get in front of people, I start speaking fast, so I may not give you tons of time to flip there. Um, hope is the sense of expectancy and optimism that God wants to instill all, in all of us who love him and have faith in him. It's an overriding confidence he gives us, reminding us, even in the midst of our greatest problems, God is still with us and he is greater than any challenge we may face. Hope is the flame that God ignites in our souls to keep us believing in his prevailing power of light, even when we're surrounded by darkness. It's the belief that better days are ahead, maybe in this world, but definitely in the next. It's hope that makes us cling to the truth that in all things God works for good of those who love him and that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's uh, Romans 8, or chapter 8, verse 28 and 37. I think Paul says it best in Romans um, chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That, my friends, is a great reason for hope. A truth that we need, a truth that we need to let soak into our very being, because the world seems hell bent on spreading its message of complete hopelessness. The message of hopelessness may be getting the best of you. Perhaps your future feels uncertain, or maybe you have a sense of guilt from from your past that's weighing you down. Problems never seem far away. Jesus warned us of, of this. Jesus says, in, the, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. John chapter 16, verse 33. We must... With God's help, cling to that rare and wonderful thing called hope. Otherwise, we're destined for despair. There's little doubt that hopelessness can kill. I like history, and I've watched more than my fair share of historical documentaries. My preferred reading tends to be nonfiction. And in World War II, Korea, Vietnam... Many prisoners 
died from a condition doctors named give up itis. The prisoners face grim and harsh conditions. They face um, had very little chance at freedom. They became demoralized. They would begin to refuse food and drink. These soldiers were drained of hope. They gradually wasted away and died. Now, you might not be a POW, but we're all aware of the hopelessness in our communities around us from drugs and all the other vices that people turn to. I debated on including these statistics because they hurt, but I'm going to include them. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States, one happening every 11 seconds. Suicide affects all ages. It's the second leading cause of death of people ages 10 through 34. These, these are statistics from the CDC. Hopelessness is ugly. It's uncomfortable to talk about. I really didn't want to include it in my sermon because it's uncomfortable. King Solomon wrote in Proverbs 13:12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. What I'm trying to say, if you haven't got, got it yet, is we need hope. God created us with a craving for hope, and it's not surprising that God serves as the ultimate source for that hope. Romans 15:13 refers to him as a God of hope. The verse reads, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. God offers, a, God offers a hope so powerful that it can transform a life, rewrite a person's future. But unfortunately, we as Christians, and definitely the world, oftentimes rely on hope the wrong way. There's three ways I think we do this. By One is by wishful thinking. The other is blind optimism. And the third is hopeful dreams. We often weaken the term of hope as wishful thinking. Wishful thinking is when we try to change reality with our thoughts and attempt to hope things into or out of existence. For example, I hope the Chiefs win today. I have no control. I'm just rooting and have wishful thinking that they'll win. They will. Another hopeful attitude is blind optimism. It's good to have a positive outlook. and We'd all rather be friends with an optimist than a pessimist. But some optimists are prone to seeing everything through rose-colored glasses. They overlook their problems as if those problems don't exist. They act as if everything's fine all the time. I have a little story about blind optimism. And this story is about parents of two boys. One is an optimist. One is a pessimist. And the parents were worried about these boys because They were on the extreme sides of optimism and pessimism. And at Christmas time, they decided to do something about it. So the parents filled the pessimist room full of brand new toys. And they filled the optimist room from floor to ceiling with horse manure, hoping this would moderate their attitudes. Christmas morning came. The boys were in the room for a couple hours. Then the pessimist came out. The father asked the boy, how did you like playing with your toys? 
And the boy said, I, I didn't even take them out of the packages. I was afraid if I touched them, they would just break and I'd be disappointed. A couple minutes later, the optimist came out. He was smiling and happy, and the father asked him, Son, why are, why are you so happy? And the boy said, I know if I just keep digging, I'll find a pony. Now, I know we all know some people like that on both sides of the spectrum there. Optimists are convinced that everything's great, and that can be admirable at times, but it doesn't really change the reality. One more way I think we view hope and apply hope sometimes to our lives is through dreams or hopeful dreams. These are goals we set for ourselves. In other words, we don't just wish for a new car. We start working towards a new car. We start saving. We go get a job and we are working towards that goal. This can be very good. But one of the problems with this can be is our hopeful dreams are restricted by our limitations. I may be working for this car. I may get laid off. May not ever happen that I get this new car. Or I may achieve the new car and then quickly realize this wasn't all what it was cracked out to be. This insurance is really expensive. So our dreams may come to reality or may not. But if we're putting our hope in them, we're going to be disappointed. These three worldviews of hope are, some, are all require us to do something. If I just wish for it enough, if I just overlook, if I just work hard enough, these are all things we have to do. The Bible speaks of hope not as something we do, but as something we have. Biblical hope is a confident expectation that God is willing and able to fulfill the promises he has made to those who love him. The Bible refers to this as a living hope and is directly related to the work of Christ on the cross. The next verses I'll be reading is out of first Peter chapter one, three and four. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. Captain heaven for you. Jesus demonstrated through his resurrection that he really is God and that he truly does possess the power to fulfill his promises to us. Promises that he'll change your life. Promises that he'll guide us. Promises that he'll cause good to emerge from our personal problems. Promises that he'll grant us eternal life. The resurrection is an actual physical event in history, and it establishes Jesus' identity as God incarnate, who loves us and is committed to helping us. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Our hope is only as good as whatever we anchor it to. The weak versions of hope doesn't have the power to change reality. We hope for this. We hope for that. We might feel better for a little while. We might fool ourselves into thinking everything is going to be okay. But the only way hope has any impact is when we anchor it to the one who has real power. And not only does he have power, but he has a strong desire to help us.
Anchoring our hope to Christ means we live with a confident expectation that he will fulfill his promises to us. I want to discuss two areas where we can draw hope from him. The first, there's hope because I've been forgiven of my past. The Bible says in Lamentations 3, 21 through 23, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. In other words, we can live with hope because even though we fail God, fail our families, fail ourselves, God's compassion is a renewable resource. It's available to us every day. He gives us a fresh start. And second area I think we can draw hope from is we can have hope because our future is assured. Blessed assurance. Think of the atheist who believes there is no God. They believe when they die, lights out. That's it. There's nothing more. That's a terrible thought and makes life seem rather hopeless. I mean, we can learn from Ecclesiastes. Without God, all is in vain. Now, I'm not a fortune teller, but I'm pretty sure... That you're going to die. I'm going to die. I mean, the statistics of death is one out of one. Ends up dead. And death kind of has this annoying habit of being pretty unpredictable. And I think how we face death will tell us a lot about how we're going to face life. As followers of Christ, we have the hope of eternity and can live with boldness and strength. Remember the story when I was talking about the POWs and the hopeless situation? Well, the reality is the Bible says we're all in a hopeless situation. We've all violated God's laws in one way or another and deserve the penalty of spiritual death. With its separation from God for all eternity in a place of utter hopelessness. No amount of wishful thinking, blind optimism, hopeful dreaming can change that reality. But because of the love of Christ... You can be absolved of your past and assured of your future. The all important question we have to ask ourselves is how are we going to respond to that hope through Jesus Christ? How are we going to live with that hope? How are we going to apply it to our daily lives? The next verse first I'm going to be reading is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. And this is kind of my closing. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you, he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? Paul was writing this to the Ephesians. It was a letter of encouragement. And he's... I mean, he's praying that they'll understand and know the hope that they've been called to. And that's my prayer for, for myself and for you guys. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we anchor our hope to you and your great love. Thank you for your forgiveness and thank you for 
you assuring our future. Thank you for that little flame that you've given me. Because the world can be a dark place. Father, we love you. Amen.